Hello, and welcome to another episode of Pastor's Thoughts. My name is Pastor Dustin Beck of the Grace Baptist Church of Butte, Montana. Today, I want us to talk about the principle of vision. From Luke chapter 11, verse 34, the Bible says, The light of the body is the eye, therefore thine eye is single. Thy whole body also is full of lights, but when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. We've heard the verse, mine eye affecteth the heart. You know, what we see has a great impact on us. And the Bible gives us some principles that are directly related to our vision, the things that we see. Have you ever found yourself buying something that you didn't actually want? You think about what happened and you saw it, you thought about it, you decided you needed it, so you bought it, regardless if you truly needed it or not. You know, I've heard of people saying, you know, once you think you need something, wait 24 hours before you go and buy it. That way you have plenty of time to think about the real need. And many of those times, if you do it, you'll talk yourself out of buying it. But we see it. We think about it. We decide we need it. So we buy it. You know, that principle works in so many different areas. But we notice the progression. It began with our sight. We saw it. It ended with us doing it. Our eye affects what we do. Our vision influences our action. What we fix our eyes on, we invite into our soul. This is why God is concerned about what we see. Again, in Luke chapter 11, it said, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is also, thy whole body also is full of lights. But when thine eye is evil, the, thy body also is full of darkness. When our eyes sees evil, we will lean to darkness. The people we're around, the things we watch on te television, the things we see in the world around us, they will have an impact on our, our lives. Our eyes are a lamp that lights our enti entire body. It guides our actions. When we set our focus on spiritual things, we let the light of God's word shine into our lives and we reflect his truth in godly conduct. But when we set our eyes on evil or earthly things, we let the darkness of the worldliness, of the worldly desires cloud our vision. It corrupts our actions. But our vision, we've got to realize, it is our responsibility. Your vision is your responsibility. Are you going to guard it? You know, I think about some things that David said in Psalm 101. Verse 3, he said, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. You know, we need to commit to that in our personal lives, that we're not going to set any wicked thing before our eyes, whether it's guarding ourselves from what we watch on television or whether it's guarding ourselves as to where we go because we know what we might see there. We, we need to be careful in these areas. We've got to be so careful to guard our vision. Can you think of a situation in your life where you've allowed something in your vision 
that has taken you towards sin? Can you think of something? Probably all can if we're honest. But today, as we look closer at this principle of vision, I want us to see the importance of guarding our eyes. See, the eye affects the mind and the mind affects the body. We see, what we see physically affects us inwardly. This is because what we see shapes our thoughts and our thoughts are what shapes our actions. In the Bible, we see testimony to the fact that sin begins with the eye. Job knew that wrong actions follow a wrong view and said it would be wrong of him. Um, in Job 31, 7, if my heart walked after my eyes, he knew it would be wrong in that situation. He made a covenant with his eyes to not think upon a maid in Job 31, 1. He recognized that what he saw would affect what he thought. If he didn't look at the wrong place, he would not think the wrong thoughts, and he would not do the wrong action. When Eve saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eye, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. Her eye affected the heart. It affected the mind. It affected the action. See, the eye affects the mind, and the mind affects the body. The eye, it can be controlled. Bob Jones Sr. once said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from building a nest in your hair. While we cannot keep out the unwholesome sight that confront us, we can choose to look away. We can choose not to put ourselves in the position that we're going to see it to start with. From the billboards, our screens, the magazine racks, or any other visually suggestive prompt of temptation, we need to stay away. Matthew 5, 29 shows us just how serious God takes this when Jesus said in uh, there Matthew 5, 29, And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. You know, God sounded pretty serious about that. Right there, he said, you know, if the eye offend thee, pluck it out. You can't keep from doing it. Pluck out your eye. It'll be better. You won't be able to see it. It won't make you do things you shouldn't do. Now, the teaching here is emphatic, not only in its description, but also in his instruction. Jesus didn't teach self-mutilation, but he was employing a figure of speech that made his statement memorable and added impact. The radical nature of his statement shows us just how serious what we look at is and how, it, how seriously it affects us. It also tells us that instead of tolerating sin, we should eliminate the very source of temptation if it's within our control. If the advertisements on television prompt you to sin, you might be better off canceling your subscription than trying to ignore the advertisements. It affects us all differently. Temptations are different for all of us, but it's all the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the three areas of sin. Jesus said in all points was he tempted. All three points, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Those are the areas that Satan attacks every one of us. The lust of the eyes, the visions that we see, 
Now, preaching from Matthew 5, Charles Spurgeon said, the same rule that bids you to avoid sin bids you also avoid all that leads to sin. If adultery be forbidden, so also is that glance with which the sin usually begins. We are to turn away our eyes and behold, from beholding that which leads towards sin. You think about David as he was on the roof. He, he looked and he wasn't looking for it, but he saw Bathsheba. She was there at that moment. In that situation, he should have turned and walked back inside, took his eyes off immediately. But no, he looked back again. He lusted with his eyes. He lusted the flesh. And we see this. This is how it works. What you see with your eyes is going to lead you to an action. But we need to guard our heart. To do that, we've got to guard our eyes. We've got to control our eyes because they are the doorway to our hearts, the core of our innermost thoughts and feelings that guide our behavior. Limitations 3.51 says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. We keep our heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, according to Proverbs 4.23. Proverbs 4.25 instructs us to look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee to ward off distractions that cause us to sin. In other words, when there's temptation to look, keep looking straight on. Don't glance to the side where the distraction is. Press on the straight path. Now we guard our eyes by just a few steps. We need to be honest with ourselves. We need to be open with ourselves. We need to be obedient. You know, everyone struggles with sin that involves the eyes. For some, it may be pornography. For others, it could be coveting someone else's appearance, their status, their possessions. We need to be honest in considering where our weakness lies. We need to recognize that weakness. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 8, that it's possible to fool ourselves. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You know, that's the honesty that we're looking for. The openness is that every day we wake up to a spiritual battle. Our flesh constantly wars against our spirit. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. If you're to be successful in guarding your vision, you're going to need divine enablement from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to be involved. We've got to be in His Word. We've got to be in prayer. We've got to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us through. Let the Spirit of God speak to you and yield to Him when He does. You know, it does no good if we don't yield when the Spirit speaks. What He impresses on your heart as something you should turn from might not necessarily involve images that are blatantly objectionable. It could be things that lead you to more serious things. The Holy Spirit is going to guide you if you're open to His leading. But we've got to be obedient. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, respond immediately in obedience. Just do it. When, the, when your response in the seconds following the temptation and the Holy Spirit's conviction will make all the difference in the outcome of your temptation, whether it's for good or bad. Joseph's example is a good one to follow in Genesis 39. We see his response to temptation. When Potiphar's wife called Joseph by the garment and asked him to lie with her, 
He let go of that garment. He let her keep it. He just wanted out of the situation as fast as he could. Don't flirt with temptation. Fight it by fleeing. Just get out of there. The best thing you can do is get away as fast as you possibly can. Now we need to channel our vision for godly uses. What does God tell us to focus on? See, vision is ultimately a gift from God. And we're to be good stewards of this gift. The same eyes that cause us to see evil can be used to see good. You live for good in others. You know, this, we, we need to look to see the needs of others. How can I help someone else? Let's look for the needs in their lives. Philippians 2.4 instructs us, it says, Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. We need to be looking at the things of others to see where people need help, where they need some assistance. Be on the lookout for ways to lighten others' loads, to encourage, to bring help, to support those in need. How can I help someone else today? We need to be looking for those things. But we also need to be looking for the Lord's return. The Bible tells us that Jesus will physically return to this earth in like manner as he ascended to heaven in Acts 1.11. In Revelation 1.7, uh, he'll return visibly. It says, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. Every eye shall see you. Looking for the Lord's returns, more of an anticipation than actually searching the skies. And I, I get that. Um, we're not just constantly looking up in the sky, waiting on him to appear. When he appears, we're going to know he's there. We're going to know he's coming back for us. I believe that. But we need to be looking forward to it. It needs to be anticipated in our lives. Hey, we will see it with our eyes. 1 John uh, 3 tells us that this hopeful anticipation can actually help check our tendency to yield to temptation, including temptations instigated by our physical visions. Beloved, we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on His service. Rather than looking on worthless or temptation-inducing things, use your eyes to observe the needs of the hurting and minister to Him. To determine if you see, if, to determine if what you see fulfills the principle of guarding your eyes, consider a couple questions. Are there any sights in my daily life that tempt me to sin? How can I avoid looking at these sources of temptation? How regularly am I, in, am I noticing these needs of those around me and using that visual prompt to go out of my way to meet them? When was the last time that I looked for or specifically considered and anticipated Christ's return? What are some verses that can help me when I'm tempted to look too long on something? I should not. Our vision's a powerful thing, but it can get us into trouble all too often. Maybe buying something we hadn't planned on, it may be seeing something that causes us 
causes a lust in our heart to continue a bit too far and land in sin, whatever it is, know this, you can control where your eyes look. You can control. It's a choice that we all have to make. It's a choice you have to make. Self-control can be a difficult thing at times, but remember it is commanded in the Bible. Temperance, self-control. It's one of the things we're to add to our faith, according to Peter. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 6 says, add to your faith. Temperance is one of those. This is added to faith. Have you accepted Jesus Christ personally by faith for your eternity? That's step number one. We've got to have a saving faith. We've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for, for my sin, for your sin. That we're a sinner. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is everlasting life. Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you haven't, I encourage you to do so today. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. No, no. It's by grace through Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Trust him today. This has been another episode of Pastor's Thoughts. Again, I'm Pastor Dustin Beck at the Grace Baptist Church of Butte, Montana. If you're ever in the area, come by and check us out. We'd love to talk with you. Have a great day.